Hi everyone, I'm Matthew Halbert and I'm from the Social Democrat Group in the Liberal Democrats. Hello and welcome to the Lib Dem podcast and today we continue our virtual conference with the Social Democratic Group and here to speak about them and what they do within the party is Matthew Halbert. How are you doing Matthew? Hi John, how are you? Uh, I'm very good. I mean, I'm enjoying these uh, conferencings, learning lots of stuff about our party. It's keeping me sane during the coronavirus lockdown. How are you? How's the lockdown affecting you? Well, I'm all right. I mean, I'm just really bored, which is why one of the reasons why it's so good to uh, to join you today. I've been furloughed from. I'm glad I could be there for you. <laughs> yeah, no, no, thank, thank you, John. I, I knew that I could rely on you. Um, but yeah, I've been I've been furloughed from my work, so um, I'm, I'm just at, I'm just at home. Um, I've restarted my my blog. Some people will know, so that's keep, been keeping me sane as well. Um, so yeah, it, it it is just you know spending so much time in in your house. I mean, you know, being at home is lovely, but being at home for quite this long a time is uh, is difficult for all of us. So, but trying to keep cheerful. Yeah, absolutely. So well, let's get on to the social democratic group now. On your because I looked at the the conference. Uh, agenda and it says here social democratic group is to ensure that social democracy has a voice in policy making and that the party political program particularly to promote social justice and the reduction of poverty so to tell us in your words other than what i've just said what what are you here to stand for most folks will will know but maybe not some of our newer members and we've got a lot of those which is which is fantastic that the party is made up of two um, traditions, two traditions came together uh, to form the Liberal Democrats. That was, of course, the Liberals, but it was also the Social Democrats uh, too. Um, and I think because, um, partly because of the name, that people don't necessarily know that the Democrats part of it came from the Social Democrats, um, that social democracy can be a little bit forgotten in the party. Um, and it's our view that we need both of our traditions to win. Um, and I've been reading through the Limehouse Declaration, which I hope we'll talk about later. And I don't think there's any part of that that um, uh, the vast majority of uh, liberals would um, demur from. I think they'd find themselves uh, agreeing with its aims. And so I think it's just about ensuring that that tradition in our party is not lost because I think actually um, it would be to our great detriment if social democracy was forgotten in the party. Okay, and just okay, explain to us for listeners who may not understand or know about the difference between liberalism and social democracy. What what's the what difference do you see in your eyes? I think in I think in many senses it's not necessarily about policy because again I'd also consider myself. Uh, a, a liberal. I, I, I mean, I guess that some, I guess that you may have some liberals who believe um, in um, absolutely in, in the individual and that the state shouldn't interfere at all um, uh, in, in the life of an individual. My view would be <clears throat> that um, rights to an individual are absolutely important. Uh, minority rights are important. I'm a gay man myself. I know that minority rights are, are important. Um, but equally, the, an enabling state, which is what I call it, is important as well. We have to have a, a state that, is, that provides people with the opportunity to succeed in their own uh, uh, life. Um, 
And I think social democracy, it is about, and again, I don't think liberals would argue with this, but it is about wanting to reduce inequality. It is about wanting to reduce poverty. Um, it is about wanting greater decentralization. Again, I think liberals would, would agree with that. So I think it's just ensuring, I think it's a matter of emphasis, really. And I think many of us, Many of us social democrats at the moment, John, and you know, I wondered if you wondered if you agree with this. And again, I say this, I say this as someone who is from a minority group myself. But I think we fear a little bit that that is all the liberal democrats are talking about today, and that we're becoming the identity politics party, mm. um, and that we're not talking about the bread and butter issues that actually historically have seen us do best in elections. Um, and now, I really hope that people won't take me the wrong way though. I, I must emphasize that of course I believe uh, in the rights of everybody and in protecting the rights of minorities. But if that's all we're talking about as a party, how do we expect to win elections um, with the vast majority of voters? So when you, so you're, what you're saying is though, so when you look at election data and election news information, you have usually a priority of where voters think of. Usually t right near the top is NHS, maybe school funding or something like that. And they're the big ticket items that the majority of people want to, are interested in when it comes to voting. And you think the party should be doing more of promoting those sorts of issues rather than more niche issues, which are still vitally important, but don't cut across the wider electorate as much. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you look at when we've done uh, best, 1997, 2001, 2005, un under Charles Kennedy, um, it's when we've had a big, well, it's one of two things. It's when we've had a big offer, such as uh, a penny on income tax for education, which people people understand that, that, you know, that's easy to, to, to get and to agree with. Or when we've taken a principled stand, such as against the uh, invasion of Iraq, that yeah. is when we have won. It's when we've been. It's when we've been bold. It's when we've had big popular appeal, and that's when we've done um, our best. <clears throat> I think if people only see us, however important the, the the issues may be, and they absolutely are, as focusing and apparently to only care about a certain section of society rather than having a big mass appeal that is when people think well why should i vote for this party what do they have to say to me and you know i i i, I think you'll appreciate this john i mean i come from you know a working class uh, part of uh, leicestershire um if we didn't have a really strong lib dem council here that works hard and delivers what reason would voters here have to vote liberal democrat i mean what is the answer to that and I suppose it goes to the argument, and a, a lot of people, it's historically been the case, and a lot of people are saying it post the general election last year, is, okay, what do Lib Dems stand for? What is, what is our kind of, our, if you think of Lib Dem, what do you think of? Now that Brexit, obviously the issue isn't finished, but certainly Leave versus Remain has ended. What now, do when people think Lib Dem, what do they think of? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I'm going to kind of steal from uh, my good friend and fellow uh, councillor here in Hinkley and Bosworth, Michael Mullaney, who was our prospective parliamentary candidate until just after the, the general election last year. And if there was any justice in the world, he would be a Lib Dem MP right now. He, he has worked so hard. It's, uh, 
it's, it's, it's unbelievable. Um, but he's written uh, extensively since the election saying that, and again, he's absolutely pro-European. He believes we should have stayed in the European Union. But he said that, in effect, especially with the policy to revote, which I think did for us, by the way, in, in, the, in the general election, um, as much as I personally, of course, on an individual level would have supported it, and I think this is the point that, I, that, that I'm making, is that, in effect, we had a general election for Liberal Democrat members, not for the wider uh, electorate. Um, he has said that, actually, we turned our backs on those voters twice. We turned our backs on those voters because whether we like it or not, there was a, um, a vote to leave uh, uh, nationally. But also in the vast majority of seats where we were the challengers, especially against conservatives, but against some Labour MPs as well, those were leave voting constituencies. Mm. And so what we in effect were saying to those voters was we know better than you, sorry voter, but we know better than you. You didn't really know what you were doing. You didn't know what you were talking about. You're a little bit silly. We know better, we're the Liberal Democrats, but now please go and vote for us. Now that's putting it in a simplistic way, but in effect that is what we were uh, saying. And of course people didn't like that. They didn't like that at all. They didn't like being patronized or talked down to. And whereas, this, where is the second vote policy, which again, many people disagreed with, but at least that was just saying, you know, uh, as Tim Farron famously said, you've started the journey, you've voted to start the journey, we're now coming to the conclusion of the journey, we want you to have a vote again. I think people could understand that, but I think you're saying, actually, no, we're going to disregard how you voted, and our policy is that uh, we should um, uh, revoke it. And I don't think people got the well, number one, I don't think people felt we were going to get a Liberal Democrat majority government. So I think people felt that that was a bit silly uh, in of itself. I think people just, and I think, John, this is part of the disconnect of, of the party to the vast majority of voters. I'm not saying we should become a Leave party. Of course we shouldn't be. We're a pro-European party. But if the, if the only thing people hear from us, because we won't say much on education and health, etc., if the only thing people hear from us is we disagree with your vote and actually we think it was a bit of a silly vote and if we have the chance we'd reverse it i don't think people like that at all and in mm. elections people need to hear um simple a simple offer from us as a party that in my view and in the view of the social democrat group should have been around those big ticket items of of health education and law and order etc I mean, I obviously I've been a parliamentary candidate as well, and obviously you had your, our five main bullets within the manifesto, the 2019 manifesto. Obviously, only one of them was Brexit. Now, an issue will be is whether if we if we stay on the main topics, do people get our opinion, or do they just get the Labour versus Tory one, and we kind of get drowned out in the noise? Whereas if we are focusing on a on a, a platform that no one else is talking about, whether it's niche or not, it actually gets a little bit of breakthrough. And that's always going to be a problem with any party that isn't the main two parties, is how they break through into the national news cycle. And it's going to be very tough. But I just want to move the conversation on just a little bit, because in, uh, in the York agenda for the conference that was cancelled, you guys had a, a fringe planned for, let me just get the exact titles, how broad, a, how broad a church should the Liberal Democrats be? So, and you put that as a question. 
So how broad a church should the Liberal Democrats be? Well, in my view, we should be a broad church. I think any big party that wants to win needs to be a, 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 a broad church. Um, and I've spoken in the past about, you know, us needing to be the broad centre and that not being um, meaning to be the middle of the road, but to see the whole road. That's how I've previously uh, uh, described that. Um, I think that on most things, I'm, I'm probably uh, centre-left, but I think voters that um, are, are centre and maybe even centre-right need to be able to feel that they can vote for the Liberal, uh, uh, Liberal Democrats. Um, and of course, again, you know, I can't talk about the party needing to um, value its social democratic tradition without also talking about the party needing to vote its social, uh, to support um, and to value its um, social liberal tradition and indeed um, its economic liberal uh, 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 tradition as well. I think the, the party needs to be big hearted enough to value um, uh, all of its traditions. Um, but again, we Social Democrats uh, uh, feel that we're a little bit the forgotten tradition. Um, so that is why we have the Social Democrat uh, group and why we're, we're looking forward to a, a, big, a big year next year, 40 years on from the uh, Limehouse Declaration, to really promote this tradition within the party. Especially as, uh, John, that, you know, there is that um, uh, other, there is that party um, the kind of the breakaway SDP, they're not really continuing uh, mm. uh, SDP which is now in effect uh, um, a slightly um, smilier version of, of UKIP. It was infiltrated by uh, Eurosceptics and, and, and now has a, a really fairly hardline Eurosceptic tradition, uh, um, a position, as well as being um, uh, very anti a number of minority rights. So, so you know, if, if that's the offer from what was the continuing um, SDP, we need to say no, the vast majority of social democrats became part of what became the Liberal Democrats and we're the great inheritors of that social democratic tradition. So what in Lib Dem policy do you think is lacking from a social democrat point of view or what would you like to see promoted more of from a social democrat point of view? Well I mean we'd like to see those big ticket items um, uh, promoted. I mean you know um, I mean if you think about it, liberalism, liberals, a liberal government almost a century ago, were mm. the first to create a, a welfare state. You know, the, the, the first embers of that welfare state, which, which says that no matter what happens to you, and this is really important at the moment, isn't it? No matter what happens to you, you won't fall below a safety net, a, a dignified safety net. Um, the state will always intervene to make sure that, that you are okay. How much do we as Lib Dems promote the need for a welfare state today? How often, how often do we talk about that? Um, and yet that was a Liberal government that first started that, followed on and built on by the Attlee government and, 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 and Labour government since then. How much do we talk about that? How much do we show that we have a concern or a care for people that are in poverty? I know we do. I know that it's in our founding document, um, in the preamble to our constitution that we do. But how often do our spokespeople talk about that? They don't. Or they don't get listened to, which is one of the other problems we have. Or they don't get listened to, yeah. But, but I must admit, I think it's a bit the former as well. I mean, I, I, I can't think of when I, I, I last heard a big ticket interview or a big ticket speech from one of our spokespeople saying that we will always be there 
for those who, mm. um, because of circumstance or because of ill health or whatever, find themselves in a, different, a difficult economic position. I can't really remember the last time that happened. And I think this goes back to uh, listeners can listen back to all previous podcasts by the Lib Dem pod. And one of the conversations me and Richard have had is the fact that we come up with fantastic policy documents, fantastic motions from count, from a conference, have these beautiful documents, very virtuous, excellently researched, and then do nothing with them. And again, this is part of us as a smaller party, knowing how to sell and promote these policies so people get an idea of who we are and what we stand for. And, and just an example of that is that, is that you'll know, John, that one of my big things individually, uh, not particularly to do with the Social Democrat group, but individually that I've campaigned on in the party, is the need to reinvest in universal youth services uh, mm. up and down the country that were cut by, and again, we've got to take our share of the blame for this. They were, they were cut overwhelmingly between 2010 uh, and, and 2015. Now, these are services that are not just about kids playing ping pong in a drafty hall. These are about professional youth workers um, uh, enab uh, enabled to have meaningful um, you know, relationships with, with young people. Relationships, I think you know what I mean by that in terms of yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. professional friendships with, um, with, with young people, often the most hard to reach uh, uh, young people. So the, to ensure that they don't end up having to access the criminal justice system, etc. Um, more than 600 youth centres were, were cut nationwide. Um, and myself and Linda Jack and others have campaigned basically since before the end of the coalition to say this was a mistake. We need to refund these services. Um, and I moved a motion to um, conference uh, in 2015, um, which was passed um, without, any dissent, without any dissent in terms of the need to reinvest in these youth services. And we finally got it in our manifesto. Uh, last year, which was fantastic, and thanks mm. to uh, Davy and Mike Story and Lane Moran um, uh, and others. Um, but again, I think that would have been—I'm not saying we should have absolutely—it should have been one of our, our main things that we talked about. But again, I don't think in the election, beyond the fact that it was in the manifesto, it got mentioned at all. So, so I know it's always going to be difficult for us. I know it's difficult for us to get cut through. I know the media don't particularly want to listen to us. But we do have our own ways of getting in touch directly with the voter these days through so social media, etc. And again, I don't think even within our own platforms, which we have total control over, we're making enough of some of these more popular parts of our platform. So I do really think that, and I'm hoping that, you know, I know that you've had Mark Pack on here and I hope that he, um, he, he, uh, he, he listens to all of your podcasts. I, I hope that... I hope that he and Ed and whoever succeeds um, as, as leader will really place an emphasis on these big ticket um, items um, which most people care about, as well as, of course, talking about those minority rights that are so important. Yeah. Okay. Well, we haven't got that long left. So we have talked about uh, the Limehouse Declaration. And for people that don't know, that was the the declaration which merged the liberals and the social democrats and obviously no, that's all you said it, it oh sorry big part go on then you tell me what it was oh, no, no, that, that came uh, uh seven or eight years later the limehouse declaration was the declaration by um four mps shirley williams david owen 
um, Bill Rogers and Roy Jenkins mm. uh, breaking away from the Labour Party. Labour group. Sorry, that's right. Yes, yeah, so get. My, luckily, we've got also got a podcast with the Lib Dem History Group coming up too, as well. So that was the usual. But, but yeah, this was this was when Labour had taken a, um, and this sounds familiar, doesn't it? Labour had taken a, a real lurch to the left. Um, Michael Fort, albeit, albeit that I think that he was, you know, a good man at, at heart. The fact is, he was leading a, a hard left rabble um, at that time. And four Social Democrats from the Labour Party, and they brought others with them uh, as well. Um, after trying their hardest to try and make Labour, um, you know, a, a broad kind of centre left uh, party, and failing at that at that time. Many years before, I mean, I often think actually that without the SDP, we wouldn't have had the the, the new Labour years, which whatever people think mm -hmm. about Tony Blair, did deliver, you know, more money for public services, etc. And so in many respects, that was an SDP government, albeit that it, it, it wasn't always the most liberal of governments. But, uh, but yeah, the House Declaration, um, Shirley Williams, David Owen, Bill Rogers, Roy Jenkins. Um, this was where they set out in broad strokes what a potential social democrat party because the party wasn't actually um uh, in place then um would be about and so they said things like you know we want to create um, an open classless uh, and more equal society um we don't believe in the politics of an inert center we want more radical change in our society not less um they talked about wanting a healthy public sector and a healthy private sector about greater decentralization of decision making. And so these were some of the things um, that were the founding embers of what became the Social Democratic Party and eventually became the Liberal Democrats. So I mean, I think these are some of the things that um, next year the Social Democrat group is going to really be focusing on 40 years on. Right, well, that, well, that, well, thank you very much for that, Matthew. And we're coming near the end of our time. So, I mean, one last shout out. How do you want people to get in touch with you guys on, on Facebook, on Twitter, and on a website? Absolutely. And also, um, it's not quite in place yet, but we're going to be becoming a membership organisation. So people will be able to, uh, to, to join us. And whereas previously we decided that we weren't going to be taking policy uh, positions, which I think was right for the group. I should just point out many thanks to George Tendall, who, who, started, uh, who started this group, one of, one of the... Uh, um, but now we've decided that actually to be more prominent in the party one of the reasons we've not been so prominent is that we've not taken policy positions and, and moved motions at conference etc so we're going to be doing that but i should point out um, um members of the um social democrat group as long as they're not speaking formally for the group will be able to take a different position to what is the formal uh policy position we think that's the most kind of liberal thing for for us to do but yeah if people want to get involved they can find the social democrat group on twitter or on facebook and do look out for details about how you can actually join brilliant well thank you so much for your time really appreciate it matthew do follow matthew on his personal twitter and facebook as well always uh, good to share the love on the lib dem podcast for everyone who is watching uh thank you very much for watching for those of you who are currently only listening to the podcast you do go over to our youtube channel we have got these interviews with ed davy with matthew all on our youtube channel just search for lib dem pod you can also follow us everything to do with the lib dem pod on our social media which is at lib dem pod on instagram facebook and twitter 
And obviously, if you are a regular listener to the podcast, do subscribe, do like, do rate us. Uh, we really enjoy putting out these podcasts about the virtual conference, particularly as it probably looks likely that the autumn conference will be cancelled as well, given these fantastic groups that do a lot of work behind the scenes, some prominence. So do, uh, do go and follow us. Do listen to some of the previous episodes. Thank you once again to Matthew, and uh, we will see you on another episode. <laughs>